Hello and welcome to Nutmeg Book Drops, Elementary Edition. This podcast is brought to you by Librarians Connect, a group of public and school librarians from throughout the state of Connecticut. Find us online at bit.ly slash librariansconnect. On each episode, we will be discussing one or more of the 2023 Elementary Nutmeg Book Award nominees. You can check these out from your local library. On this episode, we are so excited to speak with author Katie Duffield and illustrator Mike Roden, who created Crossings, Extraordinary Structures for Extraordinary Animals. Crossings was published by Beach Lane Books and is a 2023 Nutmeg Elementary nominee. Hello, Nutmeg listeners. I'm Maureen Schlosser, a former school librarian and classroom educator. And I'm Katie Duffield. I'm the author of more than 40 books for children and young adults. And I'm Mike Roden, and I'm the illustrator of Crossings. I'm Ann Poirier. I'm a school librarian at Moses Y. Beach Elementary School in Wallingford, Connecticut. And I'm Christina O'Neill, a school librarian in Middlebury, Connecticut at Longmeadow Elementary School. And I'm Adrienne Snow. I'm the reading and library coordinator for Enfield Public Schools. All right. Thank you very much. Um, Katie, this first question is for you. Your book explains that you read an article about a safe passageway that was built under a busy road for Florida Panthers. The Animal Crossing intrigued you and made you curious to learn more. As you were doing your research, what made you decide to turn your learning into a picture book? Ever since I was a child, I've just loved animals of all kinds, and I've always kind of felt a need to protect those animals in any way that I could. Uh, So when I read about the panther crossings there in Florida, I had never heard of wildlife crossings before, and I wondered um, if there were any other crossings around the world or, you know, in the United States or anywhere. And so I began to research. And when I found out there were, that there were all these extraordinary structures that were protecting animals all around the world, from tiny animals to to huge animals, it just piqued my interest so much. And I thought there's got to be other young readers out there that are also animal lovers, because so many people do appreciate and love animals. And I thought um, that would be something that might interest them as well. So that's what led to me writing the picture book. And it's funny when I tell people about your book, they know about an animal crossing that's in their neighborhood. So it might be fun for nutmeg listeners to look into their neighborhood and see if maybe is there something in their town that is an animal crossing. Thank you. Mike, my question for you is what was it about crossings that made you want to illustrate this book? There's a short answer to that and a longer one. Um, The short one would be literally everything about it. And I guess the long one would explain that. What really, really grabbed my attention is that there was no other uh, book like that that would discuss this type of thing. Also, it listed species that were not really part of any other book that I know of, like the spotted salamanders, things like that genuinely grabbed my attention. And um, it always resonates with me when when um, I can work with a topic that uh, that's so dear to the child in me. Because when I was a little boy, I was always the little kid who just got off the, uh, his bike to uh, make sure the caterpillar is, is safe and not run over and things mm-hmm. like that. So that in its entirety was just made for me, I felt. So yeah, everything, everything about it. Very neat. I like the Christmas crab crossing. I, I thought that was really cool. That picture with all the 
the different um, crabs coming over. And then I looked it up to see an, the picture of an actual Christmas crab crossing. Very impressive. Indeed. And that's probably the best part of it, isn't it? Like it makes you want to read more about it and you just mm -hmm. go into it. And yeah, it's wonderful. Katie, on your website, you have 53 tips for young writers. And tip 37 caught my eye. It says, make an outline using your favorite story or book and then study the structure. So I did that with this book. And um, I noticed two writing techniques that I think Nutmeg listeners might want to try the next time they write nonfiction. And the first one was you used four words. You repeated those four words over, under, across and through. And you separated those four words with a period. So I was wondering when I saw that, is that something you knew you were going to put those four words in when you were writing the book? Or did it kind of evolve as you were writing? Actually, it was probably a little bit of both. But the idea of that came to me pretty early on in the process. As I was writing the book, what I hoped to do was have a kind of a lyrical text uh, and something that was because picture books are made to be read aloud and to be shared, of course. And so I, I wanted that lyrical feel to it. And I like the action of the words over, under, across, through, because that was a really good description of what the animals were doing, you know, within, within the crossings. So I, and I, so I thought that lyrical feel and that short text would appeal to the youngest listeners or the youngest readers that were reading or being read to. And then the layered text, the extra text, the smaller text on the side kind of provides more information for older readers as well. So, so yeah, it came, it came to me pretty early on. I thought that was a good way to lead into what the action of what the animals were actually doing on the crossings. Well, that's a really great tip. And the next time I try to write something, I'm going to do that. I like that a lot. And then you brought up something that I also noticed was the, the text kind of off to the side. It was kind of like a quiet, almost like a whispering, almost like you're watching a golf thing and they're whispering <laughs> and now they're doing this. So is that something you thought about before you wrote the book or while you were writing it? Um, that probably came before as well. I've seen other nonfiction books. There's so many wonderful nonfiction books out there now that appeal to a wide range of, you know, age range um, of readers. And I, that's what I wanted to include with that lyrical text that could just be read to or by the youngest readers. And then that added text um, that, that they call, usually call it, they call it kind of a layered text off to the side that provides more information, uh, you know, for maybe older readers that want to know more or for younger readers who, who want more than just that, the basic, uh, the basic story. Our next question is for Mike. What are your top tips for young illustrators? I think I would start with um, looking around, looking at younger illustrators who are just getting into it nowadays. I think it's important to point out that while nowadays it's really easy to just uh, get into it digitally. Like anyone can have a drawing tablet and there's so many brilliant softwares out there that you can use. It's great and lovely, but never underestimate the power of the most simplest tools out there. The, the plain pencil and paper or any, any paint that you can think of, get in there, try as many mediums as you can, see how it feels, how it works. Because ironically, the more styles and mediums you try, the closer it will take you to your own style, to finding your own style. So I would definitely say that. And also uh, what is a really valuable little nugget, I think, and I wish I would have learned that sooner. If you're really, really working hard on something and you're not entirely happy with it, 
just just step away from it a little bit. It it always helps to just get a little perspective and and look at it with a fresh pair of eyes. I still sometimes fail at this and it's also a good reminder for myself to to say this out loud and yeah, I would definitely give uh, give these tips. Those are great tips. Thank you. <laughs> I have the next question and this is also for Mike. Um in your illustrations, many of the animals travel together and appear to look out for one another. Why did you choose to illustrate the animals this way? And uh, is this sense of community something you discovered while researching the animals? It has two sides. From a creative point of view, looking at a blank canvas, uh, how you would fill the page, it's always better to have more intriguing elements on the page that you can engage with, that you can discover. To put it simply, the more animals there are, the, the more things you, you can find joy uh, in. The other side of it, it's still realistic. So I, I try to not create a scenario that's unrealistic in terms of if there's a solitary animal. I did not put a herd of that species in there. Mm-hmm. So I try to merge those two aspects in a way that it works and makes sense and still creates a nice little setting. For example, uh, the black bears. Uh, Black bears are solitary animals. You don't really see them engage too much. But what I did create here is is a setup of of a mama bear with two cubs. And the mama bear is already through the crossing looking back at the playful cubs being cheeky. And that just tells like a whole little subtle story there of fun and playfulness, but it's still true to the to the realistic behavior of, of the bear. So just try to combine the two so it makes sense. Yeah, I would have to say very successful in that. <laughs> I think our readers are definitely going to feel that joy in uh, wow. when they see these illustrations are wonderful. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> this question is for both. So I'm gonna ask Katie to answer it first. Um, Katie, Our Nutmeg listeners practice researching in the library. Sometimes researching information and sharing what we learn can be hard. How did you push through the tough parts when researching and creating crossings? I personally love to research. I was one of those kids that loved the books with all the interesting, quirky facts. And as a writer, I love to dig until I find those really interesting little known things. And I think that's one of the reasons that crossings did appeal to me, because at that time, I had not heard of them and I thought well, there's probably a lot of readers that had not heard of them. So that was one of those things that uh, intrigued me. But that doesn't mean that research is always easy because as writers and illustrators, as Mike just said, of nonfiction, especially, we have to make sure those facts are accurate. People make mistakes in books even, but um, you, you want to do everything you can and follow up as much as you can and research as much as you can to make sure that everything that you're putting out there is accurate. You want the facts to be vetted by experts or to make sure that what you're putting out there is true. And as I said, though, that's that's not always an easy thing to do because you can read different books and maybe an older book or maybe just an an accurate something that you read on the internet. You need to make sure, you know, you've got to follow up enough to make sure that those facts are correct. And like Mike said, generally when I hit those When I hit those hard spots, I'll take a break. I'll go take a walk or go play with my dog or probably do something outside just to kind of get get my mind away from it. And then and then I'll be ready to come back and and get started on it again. That's very helpful advice for our young researchers. Mike, do you want to answer how you push through the tough part? Sure. It's funny because it being hard is also what was rewarding to me. Just like Katie, I was that kid who just loved to dive into these interesting facts. And when there was something that's 
not really well known, that's even better. That, that means there's a challenge there. That means there's something I can just discover for myself. And with crossings, there was a lot of uh, questions in my head in terms of the structures. We do look at these man-made structures, but there were not a lot of pictures and reference images for, for each and every one of them. And that posed a little bit of a challenge. And yeah, I just love finding all these little random scans of a local paper that would show me a different angle of, of, of that bridge. And, and it always just made me so excited. I just spent days on, on researching each little crossing this way. And it was just great. I just, uh, if, if we were talking about something different here and I would, ha- I would have had to research something that's not so close to my heart, that would have been a bit different. My answer would have been a bit different, I think. <laughs> I was curious too, when I was thinking about those crossings and structures, I wanted more information about how do the animals use them? How often do they use them? You know, it's like, I really got into the whole topic of it too. So that I wanted to dig for facts for myself after I was reading your book and looking at the pictures. It was very cool to think about that. Yeah, it's nice to see more information in the back of the book too, to give you an idea of where these bridges are and more information about them. So the next question kind of follows along with that because you're passionate about researching the animals, but which one was your favorite one? We'll start with Katie. Uh, That's probably the hardest question of all because they're all (laughs) all so fascinating. But if I had to choose, I guess I would say probably the Florida Panthers because I was living in in Florida at that time and I had read a lot about how uh, imperiled they were. It just, it's, and how endangered they still are. But hopefully the crossings, the underpasses for them are making a difference for them. But on the other side, too, I love the idea that there are crossings for the huge animals like the elephants and the tiny animals like the spotted salamanders. I mean, there's no, uh, there, to me, there's no animal too large or too small to, to be cared for or protected. And then, Mike, how about you? Which one was your favorite? If I had to pick one, I would probably pick the uh, the monkey bridge in Costa Rica, the blue ropes. The reason why I would pick that one is that's the one I I did not uh, hear about before. So I heard about a couple. I heard about the the little uh, blue penguin crossing. I heard about the Florida panther one. But this one was brand new information to me. And it amazed me because it's it's, uh, such a simple construction. It's literally a thick blue rope. And the other reason why I would pick this is that it was the idea was sparked by the kids saving the rainforest. And they are such brilliant young minds. And it is something that just, you know, my heart just skipped a beat like, oh, these kids came up with something so lovely. So because of all of this, because of how it uh, came to be and, and how it was brand new information to me, that was, yeah, it was so rewarding. So this is why I would pick this. Our next question is for both of you going to take you back here. Tell us about (laughs) what you were like when you were in elementary school. What kind of reader were you? Katie, do you want to go first? I can go first. I have always been a big reader. Uh, Reading's always been a big part of my life. Since we're going back, we'll go back a long way. We'll go back to when I was in second grade. And when my second, I guess it was maybe between second and third grade, our elementary school opened the library one day a week for kids to be able to come in and check out books. And I thought, yeah, this is, this is, I'm living my best life. This is the best thing. This is the best thing ever. You know, I would go every week and take it home as many books as they would let me carry home. And that same summer I thought, well, I'm going to set a goal for myself, a really lofty goal. And I thought I'm going to read every book 
in the library this summer. And of course, you know, that didn't happen, but, but I, I thought it would. I mean, and I, and I enjoyed trying <laughs> to, to read as many as I could. And of course, I had a use of our public libraries and, and I coveted my library card. And then shortly after that, when I was a little bit older uh, in our neighborhood, the bookmobile, <laughs> the bookmobile came. And I remember many summer days we lived uh, in a neighborhood and there was a kind of a little shopping center up a big, a big steep hill, but it didn't matter how hot it was in the summer. I would walk up that hill and go in that air conditioned bookmobile and check out as many books as they let me carry home. So yeah, I've always been, I've always been a pretty big reader. Wow, I can totally visualize you walking up the hill. <laughs> and it's and I told you in Arkansas it is really hot. So I mean it would be I was happy when I hit that air conditioner and that book smell. <laughs> right. We all love the book smell. Yeah. <laughs> um, how about you, Mike? Well, yeah, that takes me back. Interestingly, I was a little bit strange in terms of reading and I'm sure my my old teachers would be able to confirm that for you. <laughs> I sometimes struggled with reading the stuff that we had to read for like class assignments and things like that. There was even a situation is so clear in it's in front of me. There was an assignment in class and everyone had to read a book and I was basically caught reading a different book instead of reading the book that that I should have been reading and it was just so strange like a teacher was scratching her head thinking what should I do with you? You are reading a book, which is awesome, but you, and it was just so such a, such a strange time because I I was so heavily into science based books and I was basically constantly taking five and six books out of the school library that really intrigued me and it was really hardcore into books and unfortunately I don't have as much time now as I used to. Those are good memories, I have to say. Katie, I have a question for you. You have a new book coming out in August, House Finds a Home. What made you decide to write fiction this time? I've written about 40 books for children, and the majority of them, I'd say, are nonfiction because I do love the research process. And I, I get caught by these cool, shiny ideas, as I mentioned. You know, th- there's so many things. I have a, I have an idea list that I keep on, on the computer, and there uh, there's it's just infinite. I mean, it's just a long, long list because there's always things that are, that I'm reading about or hearing about that catch my eye or catch my attention that I want to learn more about. And then hopefully it's, if it's something that children are interested in, something that I might be able to share with them, but also uh, enjoy fiction. And I've written quite a bit of fiction as well. In fact, my first three picture books that came out were all fiction. Uh, I wrote about a book called Farmer McKeepers and his missing milk cows. And it's about a farmer who loses his cows. And uh, my second picture book is called Loud Lula, and it's a tall tale about a little Southern girl, as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm from the South, and uh, she has a really loud voice, and we kind of have to read along to figure out how that plays out. And then my third was titled Aliens Get the Sniffles Too, and it's about a little alien with a cold. The book that's coming out in August, as you mentioned, is House Finds a Home, and it's a story that's told from the point of view of the house. The house is kind of the character and it's, it's about what it takes to be, to make a home. And the hint on that is it's love. (laughs) It's love that makes a home. So, so I'm excited. I'm excited about it coming out. I think, um, I hope it will appeal to readers. 
Mike, what illustration projects are you working on? There's always a lot of different things that that I keep juggling constantly in terms of uh, illustrations. The reason being, I do have a full-time job and all the little passion projects like the awesome uh, picture books and and everything like that, they kind of need to wait their turn. I usually, I'm kind of a night owl, so I usually do them after everyone's in bed, like my wife asleep, my two kids are asleep. And that's, that's, that's when my picture book alter ego comes to life. <laughs> or there's the weekends, of course. I have so many ideas. You should see my little notebook of, of ideas. Like I keep just collecting. I'm like, there's not enough mics in the world to create all of that, <laughs> but we'll get there. Uh, the last thing that I worked on, I just created illustrations for a museum that hopefully will kids will like and it will spark some uh, joy in them as well walking around that room and it's basically anything anything and everything <laughs> where is the museum uh that one's in scotland will there be anything online about it i reckon so <laughs> that'd be fun so, to yeah. look that up sure. the last question this one's for both of you we'll start with katie as we close the interview what would you like our nutmeg listeners to know about reading about reading. Well, you know, uh, you've already heard from me that um, I, I'm a big book lover and I've always enjoyed reading, but I know that's not everyone's favorite thing. And, and that's okay. But I, I always ask readers um, to give it a shot, just uh, to think about what is there, what's important to their heart, like the, at the animals and crossings. That's something that's really important to my heart. And if readers will look and think about things that are important to them. There's a book out there about it, um, whether it's nonfiction, like uh, if you love dinosaurs or fairies or airplanes or um, trees or whatever it may be, there's a book out there about it. So if you think, oh, I'm not really a reader, I don't really care that much for reading. There's, if, if you follow your heart, you can find a book that will, that will be important to you and that you'll find some joy in, or and even if it's not nonfiction, some people prefer fiction, or if you prefer reading mysteries or contemporary stories about real kids that live today or that, that are new things that are happening today or just whatever type fantasy stories anything that um, there's there's just a book out there for every child and I think you just have to look a little bit harder to find it and I think you have to start start with what's in your heart to find uh, to lead you to the book that that will make you a reader. That is beautiful. Thank you. It's almost like we need to embroider that on a pillow. If you follow your heart, you'll find a book that you love. That's nice. Thank you. And Mike, how about you? What would you like our Nutmeg listeners to know about reading? Wow. I, I would just start by saying that's that was such a powerful thing to say, Katie. Like oh. what Mike would say, Mike would say to, to listen to what Katie said. But uh, <laughs> other than that, I would just probably say, I know people have always talked about how books can always transport you to any point in time or space uh, through your imagination. And there's always the argument that there's other forms of entertainment out there that can do that for you, like uh, uh, computer games or, or movies and things like that. But to that, I would just like to add looking at a screen and, and uh, absorbing a narrative or a story like that, that's someone's vision. And if you read something, you will create your own interpretation and nothing will be more powerful than that, than your own imagination. So I would just like, I would just like to gently piggyback uh, what Katie said and just say, give it a shot. And 
you will be amazed what your imagination will come up with while reading either fiction or nonfiction. Oh, wow. I really appreciate that. That is really incredible. Thank you so much. We are so grateful that all of you joined us for this interview today. And I know our Nutmeg listeners are going to hear your passion for this book and your passion for research and your passion for sharing this story. We're so thankful that the two of you got together and created this book. Thank you. We appreciate you having us. Thank you so much for having us. It was lots of fun. It was fun. That's it for this week's episode of Nutmeg Book Drops Elementary Edition. You can find out more about our podcast at our website, bit.ly slash librariansconnect. Subscribe to our podcast to be notified when the next episode drops. Thanks so much for listening.